Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I have a very special guest, Ivania. Ivania, how are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me here. Yes, no, it's a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. So Ivania, I know that you're a doula and I cannot wait to talk about that. Have you introduced yourself, discuss your background and your motherhood journey? Yeah, so I am Ivania Montero. I am a mom, a doula, a wife, a sister, a, a daughter, all the things, right? I was born and raised in Miami okay. and at 18, I joined the army and I was in the army for six years. And that's actually where my motherhood journey started. Really? <laughs> yeah. So while I was in the army, I met this guy and really handsome, tall white guy with like the abs. He's an army guy too. He's infantry. And it was, so you felt hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the hardcore, like bad guy persona kind of thing. And it was like, hi, and I'm the little short Latina. <laughs> barely do any of the army stuff. Yeah. So we met, I, we ended up getting married, which was difficult because we were dual military and he was always some one place and I was in another. And you're young. We're, I was 19 when I got married. And then when we did try to be together, like still the army was like, we're always separated because of work. He had to go do some training for a few months. And then like, I had to do some stuff. And during that time, like September 11th happened. So when September 11th happened, like still we were doing guard duty for so many hours, so many days, like, and then we were on a different schedule. Like the 12 hours that I was home, those were the 12 hours that he was working. Oh my God. Long story short, it didn't really work out. And we were getting ready to, actually we did, we signed divorce papers. And then two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. Oh, I just got the chills only because I have, I've been married before as well. And when we were done, we were like done. So I could not imagine finding out after like I'm pregnant. I'm like, oof, that's it. This guy's like out of my life. Like, you know, never had to. How, what was that like? What I happened? remember signing the like we both had to be at the same place to sign the divorce papers, and he was signing them, and he gives it back to me like, oh, you know, take care. I'm like, you know, go to hell. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, you're done. You were done. done. So right. how? What was that like? I think I was 21, 22 when that happened. I don't know. Like I found out I was pregnant, and it was just such a big shock. And I remember like calling my mom. And it's funny, I haven't shared this with a lot of people, but my mom was like, you know, you have a choice. You don't have to. Yeah, you, and you do. Yeah. And I was like, mom, like, how dare you say that? Like, why would you tell me that? She's like, no, honey, like, yeah. just know that you don't, you know, it's up to you. Like, yeah. but she was really like, hey. Supportive in whatever you felt like you needed to do. At the time, I didn't take it as her being supportive. She was like, maybe it's a good idea that you abort because or terminate because yeah you're single now like you're still in the army you're far away from the home i was stationed in hawaii at the time wow well, well, because think about it you're a mom now so it ha in hindsight had that happened to you and your daughter you being a mom know that you're thinking of all you're she's thinking ahead of you because she knows right right and she's like mija listen you know whatever just know don't feel ashamed you could do yeah. what you feel yeah so yeah i mean 
I didn't terminate. Uh, yeah. And she is now 16. But that was really interesting. So I was a single in Hawaii. I was and in the army. Two years old in the army. They were kind of like really supportive. I mean, the, nobody gave me crap about anything. I did pregnancy PT and I would have to go like to the gym and walk on a treadmill or yeah. do pregnancy yoga, like prenatal yoga, which they offer those things. The army isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, your village then, because you being a doula, like I feel like we were just saying before you came on, like there's so many avenues. I feel like that's a whole nother avenue because think about what you just said, like me being a mom, I had my son, I had my first child at 34. So that was later on in life and being like, holy shit, what did I get myself into? Yeah. I'm like, but I guess ignorance is bliss, right? Because you're like, what do you know, and you're just going with it. I, oh man. I was just trying to like really survive this divorce and this guy, like just, I couldn't, when I was four months pregnant, he deployed to Afghanistan and I was so happy. Thank God. Like, once he left, that was like, yeah, my saving grace. And I was the happiest Latina pregnant woman in Hawaii. I was going to the beach in bikinis. <laughs> I was like having the time of my life. And really, and it was after he left that I was able to really tap into my pregnancy and really try to connect with my baby. Yeah. And it worked. It, it was, it was really nice village. There really isn't birth community, or at least I didn't know that it yeah. didn't have one back then. And in the military, I'm not sure how that would have worked out, but you know, nobody told me to take a childbirth class. She ended up being Frank reach, which means her butt was in my pelvis versus like her being head down or even foot feet down. Mm-hmm. You know what a lot of people consider yeah. footling, mm-hmm. but she was Frank reach. And it's like, well, it's too dangerous to birth your baby vaginally, so you need to have a C-section. Oh, wow. I tried doing inversion to flip her, and it didn't work. And that's it. They just scheduled my C-section at 39 weeks. Yeah. And, of course, at that age, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. No, so, I, you know, I call my mom, and she's like, oh, yeah, that sounds really dangerous. And I talked to your tia in Nicaragua. She's a nurse. I talked to your other tia that used to be a physical therapist. Like, yeah, just go with a C-section. It's just entirely too dangerous. Like, baby can die or you can die like it really yeah. like the extreme right and that was the advice i got from my mom and my family and that's what i you know because that's all they know as well yeah exactly so that's what happened i had a c-section which was not that bad i mean it sucks being cut open but and the recovery was absolutely horrible but my mom was there and my sister at the time was 15 mm-hmm. she was there with me and you know, my mom never left her side. Baby stayed with me the entire time. Even like in recovery, she was never taken away from me. Oh, that's beautiful. That was really nice. And I was asked, did you want to breastfeed? And I didn't even consider like, again, nobody talked about any of these Mm -hmm. things. Right. And I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. Let's see what happens. And she latched on. I'll never forget that. Like she latched on and it was just how long did you breastfeed with her? Because you were young. I breastfed her until she was two and a half. Really? Your first child at so young? Wow. No clue what breastfeeding was when she was born and I was breastfeeding her. I had the logistics of breastfeeding. Sure. Like, high in demand. Like, I had no idea. All I knew was baby needs to eat, put the baby on the boob, milk comes out, and baby is fed. Like, it's yes. it just common sense to me. I was going to go back to work. I need a pump. Wig offered me one of those hospital grade um, Medela pumps. So they even had it back then. Yeah, no. And it was like the old school pumps, like this big, big <laughs> block, like suitcase style. 
Okay. And I took it to work every single day. Good for and, you. And uh, they offered me a, an office that had a fridge and I would pump there three, four times. Wow, a day. that's pretty progressive. Yeah. And it worked. It just worked for us. And again, I think that the ignorance is bliss because for me, I knew I knew so much and I was like, no, he has to be doing this. I think sometimes that ignorance can be a bliss because you don't know. So you're just like, look, the baby needs to eat. So yeah. I'm just going to wing it and go with it. And there's no expectation. You're like, we're just going to try it. And look, two and a half years. Yeah. Wow. So there was a point where I was like, okay, I'm going to try this for six months because I kept hearing like at six months, they can start eating solids. But six months came and my boobs were still like making a lot of milk. <laughs> like wow. I'm still pumping, yeah, a lot of milk for her. So I, we just kept it. going. And then I, when she turned one, I, I got out of the army, went back home to Miami. We were still nursing. Like, wow. you know, it just so happened to, and then the things that I know now, right? Like she would fall and she would get hurt and the comfort of nursing. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. It's just something that we did. Like that's her awesome. and I just did. It just worked. So and I guess your motherly instinct just kicked in with that too. That stuff is real, girl. Like it's yeah. real. And I know it's different for every mom and it's different with every child, but it's still like real. Like you need to really, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that too, right? Yeah. Like really just, you do what you feel is right for you. And 100%. Your hundred percent. That's what I always preface with things and conversations with people. I'm like, look, I am more holistic with certain things. I believe in, you know, not running to traditional medicine and all that. However, I also believe in women's choice to do whatever the, they want to do. Girl, if you want to go to the hospital and get an epidural, go to the hospital and get an epidural. My only thing with it is I just want education because I feel like the reason why some women run to do that is because there are maybe don't know or feel empowered that they could also have a natural unmedicated birth if you're healthy and things like that. So I feel like education is so important in that aspect. But even after all of that, if you still feel like, look, I need an epidural, then go do what you feel like you need to do for your family. Like I'm you so just go you for your that. body. I'm so glad you said that because I had a birth earlier this year. Same thing. Like she, her plan was to go drug free, but she went into labor like late afternoon in the evening. And by the time we got to the hospital and everything, she was so tired. Like, like she was so tired she's like i can't like this i mean you know this is super uncomfortable yeah. i can't like help my body work through these contractions i think i need an epidural i'm just so tired yeah i'm so tired and this was her third baby like you know she knew all the things. yeah she knew so she's like so she's like i'm tired i need to rest. like i want to rest i'm not going to be able to push this baby out if i don't rest yeah. and that's her being in tune with her body like something sort of like you you need to yeah yeah so you know it was it was an informed uh, choice, right? It was an informed choice. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's a whole nother, absolutely. Right. But I think it's just the inform, and I think that's, you hit the nail, it's an informed choice, an informed decision. Right. That's the thing. And you're not being forced to make it. You're not being, um, which we'll go into because, okay, so you had your, well, you had your first daughter. So now you're back in Miami. Back in Miami. Um, and your age, you have three children together. You have three children all together. So you have a 16 year old, you told me eight year old and a two and a half year old. Oh, two and a half year old. Oh, wow. So yeah. he is two and a half. Oh, because he reminds me of Jace. Jace will be three though in gosh, two months, three going on like 10. I don't know if you, if your son is at this age, but his hyperness just within like a month, just like the light switch turned on and it's like Speedy Gonzalez, Tasmanian devil, roadster, like it's just on a hundred. The energy that he has, it's very different than what I've experienced with my girls. And I don't know if it's like a boy girl thing. I, I have no idea. Is it 
like the science of it all. I have I don't know, but this guy's wild and so expressive. I mean, motherhood is so beautiful, but yeah. at the same time, you're like, kid, like you're gonna drive me crazy. Oh yeah. I was like telling my husband yesterday the other day, like everything was like mommy, like you would have thought he had like 10 candy bars. He was like, mommy, mommy, this, that. And I'm like, babe, like I need just a minute. Like I just need to go in the bathroom because if I hear mommy one more time and the, he gets angry because something dropped in this, I was like, I'm gonna go crazy. But anyway, do you want to talk about your other two journey or do you want to go into what inspired you to become a doula? And I met my husband, I think it was like five years after me being in Miami, like four or five years. We got married, got pregnant. Actually, we got pregnant two weeks before our wedding, which I <laughs> recommend because then our honeymoon was really boring. <laughs> I, he owes me another honeymoon. I couldn't drink. I was so sick and nauseous. I ended up getting a UTI. Oh, God. Um, it was awful. But anyways. So we got pregnant and then we look for an OBGYN and they're like, you know, once a C-section, always a C-section. So I was, you know, eventually going to schedule a C-section with her. And then I remember in the middle of my pregnancy, me asking like, hey, can I be back? And she was like, no way, like that is isn't." But how did you know about VBAC? So I just knew like, if you wanted to have a vaginal birth after a C-section, it was a VBAC. I didn't okay. know anybody that had a VBAC. I didn't really hear like any stories at the time. I just knew, right? So then she was like, no, 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 it's too dangerous. The risk is too high, like 13%. Like she gave me this really high number. And I was like, wow, yeah, like 13%. She's like, the only people that do VBAC is Jackson Memorial Hospital, which is in downtown Miami. And I was like, oh crap, like I'm not driving. You know, we bought a house in Miramar. So Miramar to downtown Miami is maybe 45 minutes. And then on 95, like we don't know what time, right? I was like, oh no, let's just, and my husband's like, the uterine rupture rate is so high, 13%. And if something happens to you on the way down to like Jackson, like that's just, I don't want anything to happen to you and our baby. And this is his like biological first baby. Okay. I just stayed with the practice. Nobody pushed me to be like, maybe you should find another provider. Maybe you should get a second opinion. Hey, check out this link about VBACs. Why don't you play YouTube on having a VBAC or vaginal birth? Nobody said that. Like I remember posting on Facebook. I'm like, oh, there's five days before my C-section and nobody, nobody responded with, why are you having a C-section? The day we go in for our C-section, I remember them asking me, do you know why you're having a C-section? And I said, yes. And they're like, why? They wanted to make sure I was like coherent, right? Like I knew. Yeah. And I was like, well, because I had a prior C-section. Yes. Good, good. Yes. Okay. And I knew then, Nikki, like I knew deep in my heart, like this was wrong. There was no reason for me to have a C-section. Yeah. Me having a prior C-section was not the number one reason for me to have another C-section. And it was really hard for me to this day to get over that. Because you feel in your gut, you knew, and well, you couldn't do nothing. Couldn't do anything. I felt kind of forced with that C-section. I, I knew that this birth had to be different, and it wasn't. Yeah. And I still, I, I did a meditation this past week and feelings came up with that, you know, my second C-section. So I ended up having another C-section and then about a month or so later, I found an ad or something on Facebook, an Indiegogo campaign for a birth center that was trying, they were trying to build a birth center in Miami and how they had doulas and midwives and how they did V-backs. And I was like, what? I click. Yeah. Watch video, then another video shows up, and all these V back videos show up, and I was bawling. Oh, I just got the chills. I'm sorry. I, I knew, I knew I was supposed to have a V back. Like, why didn't and where was like why is this just now coming up? Yeah, and it was really heartbroken. I was I was heartbroken, and I feel like that was the opportunity was taken away from me. 
So then breastfeeding journey sucked with her. Not a really good experience with her. It wasn't as natural as it was with my first. I thought I knew all the things since I had nursed her for so, my first for so long. But I did work with an IBCLC, which that is an international board lactation consultant, which they were fantastic, but we just couldn't figure out what was wrong. Do you think because you had, and I don't, I don't know what the term, not mentally checked out, but you were so heartbroken that, I don't know, hormone levels or something, do you think that played a part of it because you were so disappointed? No, I think I was really confident in breastfeeding okay. and there was something else going on there. Till this day, I'm not sure. It was a year old. Those issues were coming back. Like I was getting a lot of pain and bleeding again. Yeah. One. So I did go see a dermatologist and it turned out that supposedly I was like allergic to her saliva. So the cream that I had been using all year long was like kind of blocking a little bit. Oh God. So I was able to still breastfeed her, but honestly, I don't know. It could have been. Yeah. Other- but you're saying it wasn't, but it still wasn't the same experience you had with your first. Yes, it wasn't. I know there were definitely months where it was great and things were, you know, I barely had enough milk for her. I was pumping today. I was pumping enough milk just for, for tomorrow. Wow. There was no like. Although, yeah, yeah. And again, I don't know if that has to do with birth control. I mean, I went back to school full-time when she was four months old while working. Yeah, Yeah, back to school full-time, working full-time. But anyway, so then when I went back to school, the reason why I went back to school is because I really had a hard time taking Emma to daycare. Mm. It was really rough for me to just hand her off to another person to raise her for me. It's not just the eight hours that you're at work. It's like 10 hours, 11 hours, because it's your commute, you know, lunchtime, commute back, then go home, just cook dinner, take a shower, go to bed, and do it again tomorrow. And then since I had gone back to school, I was like staying up all night or on the weekends, like doing homework and studying. And it was just so much. And I just really had a hard time sending her to daycare. So I told my husband, like, I need to, I need to quit. I need to quit. I need to stay with my baby. Like this isn't working. And he's like, well, we need money to pay our house and pay for the car. Yeah. And let me ask your first child, how was that care? Like, was she in daycare? Were you, I know you said your mom had come, I guess, briefly. There's a daycare on, on base, but some of the spouses of the military spouses end up doing like home care, opening up a home daycare center, which has to be like approved and licensed. Sure. I chose a home care. Uh, more comfortable. It was people that you knew and it was on base. Yeah. It was on base and it was like five minutes from my office. So like in the morning I would drop her off, go do PT, then shower on base at the gym go back in the morning before going to my office just to nurse her go to work then during lunch i would go and drop off the milk that i had pumped in the morning and still nurse her that was your routine okay yeah i get it i was like well maybe change but oh no you had interaction more i don't want to say control that you had but you did so with emma that was really hard so then he's like well just go back to school let's see what happens and right before I graduated, I, I, so I was working with the federal government. I was working at Indorala, United States Southern Command, which is a military installation in Miami. Mm-hmm. And he was working there too as a contractor. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like my purpose is not working here. My yeah. purpose is not updating this commander's calendar <laughs> every week. You know, like my kids need me. And then I was noticing the influence 
these other pro child care providers were having on my kids. You know, the kid that my oldest daughter was hanging out with in aftercare, you know, it was just, it was really hard to see and hurtful as a parent, as a mom. Yeah. Um, and so what we decided to do was when tax season came, we did our taxes, we saved all our money so that we can be good for the next six months and I can build this business. I decided to teach baby sign language. Oh, wow. So I was doing, using the program Signing Time or Baby Signing Time with Rachel Coleman, which is magnificent, totally recommend it. But nobody would show up to my classes. Miami is a really special place. For those that know Miami, like Miami is its own entity, its own little like country. Well, like, you, can't, you can't say Florida and include Miami. It's Florida and Miami. The, some of the parents in Miami are not, did not want to put in the work mm. for, for the sign language, right? They expected me to teach their child when it was more of a, hey, I'm going to teach you, the parent, how to communicate. You're going to be with your child all day. Hello. The thing is that my business didn't work out. Like I was not making any money. People are not showing up to my classes. And then somebody gave me a call. They're like, hey, are you a doula? Or do you know of any doulas? Like my son is pregnant. I love this. I love this. Mm -hmm. My son and his wife are pregnant. And I heard that if you have a doula, you have a really great birth experience. So I was like, actually, I've networked. I've done some vendor stuff that I've met a you know a midwife and some doulas. I can connect you, blah, blah, blah. So I call this midwife, Galena. Oh, my God. Andy. Oh, I say that to the podcast world because she was my midwife. So I called Galena. Did you, well, how did you know? Did you Google her? Because I, I, I was probably already following her on social media. Or something, yeah. Because exactly. well, she's local. She's in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, they, I think they were on the news a couple times for some things. Yeah. So then I called Galena. I'm like, hey, I have someone that's looking for doulas. Do you have doulas? And she's like, yeah, we have a few doulas. And also we're having a doula training coming up if you're interested. I was like, what? Now you can train my intervention mm -hmm. you can train for this and i was like okay i'm like can i call you and ask you questions about this doula stuff her and i talked and she's like yeah this is how it works and i was like well how does how do you get paid how do you get clients i could not stop thinking about this training i would dream about it i would dream about watching women give birth they i would dream about being pregnant <laughs> oh my God. So you felt like like this was like this is what this is it this is what it's a it's a perfect i can help women I can be home because I'm not in an office nine to five. Something was definitely pulling me. And uh, my last $500 that I had in my account, the last, like, that's it. Like, we were broke. Yeah. Like, Anthony just, we were barely, there are some bills that were not getting paid at this wow. point. Wow. And uh, he's like, just do it already. Like, you're driving me crazy with all your dreams and all this talk. And, and I'm like, he's like, just do it. I did it. I did the training and uh, with the incredible Ruth Craft. She's a local doula in South Florida. And uh, that has changed my life. Oh my, and what, what year was this now? This was, I'm gonna say 2015. Wow. This was in 2015. Wow, so five years ago. Five years so ago. It changes, so you do this training, you're like, that's it, this is it. I do this training and then, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to like get births and somebody contacted me. They're like, we need a back. I need a backup doula. I'm like, yeah, I can be your backup doula. And sure enough, she's like, listen, she's in labor. I can't make it. Can you go? 
So that was my first birth and it was, so happened to be a home birth with a Orthodox Jewish family. Wow. How was that? Incredibly beautiful, powerful, spiritual. I mean, it was. Oh man, that's that awesome. Most amazing, a beautiful thing I've ever witnessed. I did that verse with another really um, wonderful doula and so forth, Fadwa. Like yeah. that's when I realized like women are badasses. It was just great. And then that just changed me. And it's like this, I remember going home and my husband, and I told everything, I was telling my husband everything. Um, and he's like, babe, I think you found it. Like this is, you found your, this is it. Found what you've been looking for. Like, yes, this is it. But yeah, so that's how it started, right? I've learned that doula work is more than just supporting a, a person during birth, even pregnancy, birth, or postpartum. Postpartum, sorry. Mm -hmm. There's definitely more to that. I don't know if you want to keep. Going. No, I know. Go ahead. Go go into that because I have yet to do on one of my podcast episodes a doula episode a doula conversation. Which, funny enough, Martha, who's how we know each other, our mutual friend, she was my doula, and I have yet to interview her. We finally got her on the calendar because I'm like, hello, I we need to talk. First of all, she's an incredible human being. She is. She is. And she truly has the heart for this work, yes. and I love her so much more but you know it's funny that you say that and i'm glad you said that because yes let's tap into now doula work and then we'll get into when your little guy came but what i have noticed is the doulas i have come across when we did doula, doula night at the birth center you when i met you any doula that i that i run across or someone's like oh this is my doula let's say on a page there is this essence of spirituality and i don't maybe you know maybe you've tapped into maybe you've self-reflected on this or or thought about it I feel like there's just this energy level that comes with women who are in the birthing community, whether it's a midwife or a doula, that you don't necessarily get from an obstetrician side, which again, is nothing. I mean, they're scientific based. That is what it is. Uh, midwives, doulas, it is more personable. So speak on that because you did say Martha is this and even meeting you, like, you know, if anyone goes on your Instagram page, it's very much about peace and just positivity and, and all of that. So speak on that you know, why do you think that is? Have you self-reflected about that or thought about it? It changes. First of all, let's be clear. Abdullah is not a medical professional. Abdullah is a trained professional who provides support, physical, emotional, mental, informational support to mothers before birth, so during pregnancy, during birth, their labor and birth, and postpartum. And we are not medical professionals. Like we can't give IVs. We can't like take your temperature. Like we can't use a Doppler and diagnose anything. We cannot give you any medical advice. It's important to know that, you know, sure. uh, we can say like, hey, maybe it could be your blood sugar. Talk to your provider, go get it checked out, right? If you're feeling a certain weight, sounds like it might be your blood pressure. Go check that out. Talk to your provider, you know, so I just want to be clear that um, doulas are not medical professionals, but we are trained. So doula work is hard work. And it's also, I think right now in the birth community, we are fighting just for humanity, right? For these 
women, birthing women to be treated in a humane way in any setting, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's a birth center, whether it's at home, right? Because there are some shitty midwives too, right? There are negligent midwives. There are medwives. Yeah, it's beautiful to support someone in their labor and birth and watch, you know, women birth their babies. It is definitely something very magical about that. But I think for, there's a lot of doulas out there that are really fighting like to be is it more of like because you're saying because like covid right now because you can't be in the room and they can't give the support that's needed there's this thing going around right now with mortality rate in birth especially in women black women and latina women right like the maternal mortality rate is really high in this country black women and brown women are three to four times more likely to die during or after childbirth than a white woman. It's also important to say not only Black and Hispanic, but Native American and Alaskan Native. I interviewed a a Black midwife and we kind of touched base on that a little bit. And I didn't realize the Native American and Alaskan Native, that's another big one. I don't want to exclude them either. So yes, I I agree. And, And that's correct. It's funny because I wasn't aware of these disparities when I became a doula back in Miami, right? Mm -hmm. I learned about this a little over two years ago only. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I said, like, my doula work is changing. My perspective on how I'm supporting these families is changing. In Miami, a lot of people are like me, right? A lot of people are, a lot of the providers are like me. I found a Hispanic chiropractor, one of the three women in the OBGYN office in that practice, two of them were Hispanic and the female was Hispanic. So you're saying you're looking for that more representation of, of someone who can understand and support and know from a Latina to a Latina. So did I feel like there was some kind of racism going on while I, you know, in that OBG, in that practice while I was there? I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you yeah. because two out of those three providers were Hispanic. So I didn't, I wasn't aware of these disparities that was happening in the rest of the country. That's why I said like Miami is its own country yes. there that's just happened to be attached to Florida. And then there's like the rest of the world, the rest of the country that is struggling. And I had no idea, which is why everything that's going on in the world right now with Black Lives Matter, the social justice within the community, it's really difficult to see. I feel like I've been blindsided with all this stuff in a way like the veil has really come off like what the hell why isn't the hispanic comedian in miami talking about this there might not be racism within the hispanic community but there is classism definitely classism colorism yes you know the whole thing like i you know the baby has you know kinky hair and don't marry the black guys so that you can have pretty babies so that's the conversations are definitely had absolutely right. but that's the kind of stuff that i did experience in miami everything that's happening else in the country it's really been difficult to witness to, to see to see to to really understand how have you been channeling that what what have you been doing you know to feel like you want to help to feel like you want to support it's education you know how have you been channeling all of these feelings and thoughts I've been getting off social media. <laughs> Seems to be the, the um, consensus. I've been off social media because a lot of, that's one thing I will not tolerate, right? I Racism within my space. You know, my father-in-law has black skin. My cousins have black skin. My, my family, you know, these are my family members that I would hate 
for them to be treated a certain way or even be killed just because they have black skin, regardless of what they were doing, right? Yeah. But yeah, the, the media really portrays Yes. And only shows like the really hardcore, like bad stuff. They, yeah. they, I know there are good cops out there also, but right now they're only showing the bad ones or they're showing, you know, I mean, listen, that video of George Floyd will never leave my mind. Yeah. Same. I, yeah, I got the chills again. Same. That video changed me completely. I have had such a hard time watching that because I saw that cop look straight into the camera and not care. And with the look like, what are you going to do? What are you gonna... He didn't care. And that was really difficult to watch. And I think it's also, it's difficult because we have come so desensitized. Is that the word from, I mean, there's so many countless other ones. Ahmaud Aubrey, he's running. He's trying to run away from the people. Jesus Christ, he's trying to run away. And to know that these people blocked him, like, what are we watching? And these are like real life things that are like out in the world. Like it's, it's a lot. <laughs> to take in and then I'm here like literally crying every single day I'm watching what's happening in these marches that's happening here in my backyard here in DC right and my kids are asking me like what's wrong yeah. so now I, ha I and it's okay like I'm okay with having these conversations with my kids and they ask why you know children children are truly innocent yeah my my eight-year-old is asking why would people do that why would they kill this man why did that cop just shove that old man onto oh i heard about that there's another one a, a man an 80 um he was like an ex-police officer yeah. it just happened i was like what so you know I, I am having these conversations and now my kids are a little bit more aware of what's happening you know because again we've been confined COVID has hit you know these are not conversations that are having at school at least for my team I decided to homeschool Emma. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say what has that, but go ahead. Well, for now, it's my, my responsibility to talk to my kids and let them know what's going on in the world. Agreed. Right? Especially here in D.C. And I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I know from my parenting style, again, my son is only going to be three, so I have nothing to compare it to. He asks questions. He does. So I'm like, oh, when he gets older. But I, my husband and I have kind of already made a, a commitment of we're not going to shy away from having those difficult conversations. I feel like kids, like they're, they're so pure and innocent, but they're not dumb. And I think when they feel like, you know, like my son will say, like I'll whisper, he goes, what'd you say? Like he knows when you're bullshitting him. <laughs> like he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, damn it. How did he hear me whisper? So it's like, you can't, because I think once you start bullshitting with them, that's when they do run off to their friends. That's when they do want to get information from other places. So I feel like it is our responsibility to be as honest as we can with our children, because if we don't, someone else will, and it might not be the right information. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Honestly, we have to be, no matter at what age, we have to be truthful with our children because yeah. once they know that you haven't been truthful with them you're breaking that trust between parent and child mm -hmm. and then and they're like wait you want me to be truthful with you but you're not being truthful with me exactly girl i'm in a parenting coaching <laughs> group that we sit and every week and talk about this stuff so. no because that's that's so real yeah it is real it is real i, I yeah. tell some of my girlfriends i'm like you know you can't be af share afraid of sharing some of these things i know it's tough trust me you don't want to have of course you don't want to talk about sex or certain things with your child i'm like but if they don't get it from you there's too much information at their hands right now it's just too much information 
And if you don't do it, someone else will. And that's the scary thing. You know, there's too much influence out there, I guess. So yeah, that's a whole nother, <laughs> no, another tangent. A year old still does not have social media. That's awesome. She has a cell phone, but she does not have social media. That's awesome. Right now. Yeah. And I'm sure that might change, but and she doesn't yeah. want it. She doesn't ask. So I think she's been a, a kind of a, just because from the beginning when we got her uh, the cell phone, we told her what the purpose of the cell phone was and it wasn't social media. It was to make sure that we were able to communicate with her um, when she was in school or getting on and off the bus. And if she was gonna give her number to other friends, like she needed to let us know. So we know who's calling her, you know what I mean? Like, sure. it was like, this wasn't for fun, honey. This is for us to, we could communicate. <laughs> yeah. So I think because we said that from the beginning and this was three years ago, you know, like she hasn't really asked for it, but I will, I mean, I say it too loud. If she were to ask for it right now, I would say yes. Mm -hmm. I would say how yes. How would you feel? How would you feel? Would you monitor? Would you want to like, oh, that's so hard. Like, what do you it do? Mom, like number one, for me, the number one would be the sex trafficking. Right. But then I need to have those conversations with her. Yes. It's not like, yeah, sure, honey, go get social media. No, just, no. no I need to, I'm having these conversations with her. There's sex trafficking, there's pedophiles, there's rape, you know bullying and uh child pornography like we can you know right so these are the conversations that i need to have with her and if she feels that she's ready to have social media then she's ready to have these to handle these what would you do if you get this message what would you do if you get right. that message look i'm a grown woman and i get messages you know how many messages from men and i have to or i block them when i see a man following me. i'm like why are you following me i block block i'm like i don't get it and that's coming to me and imagine these little girls yeah, I mean, maybe I'm biased, right? But my daughter is gorgeous. Yeah, no, she is. She's she is. And she's charming and funny. And she's, she's, she's such a great person. And it's not like just physically gorgeous, but even yeah. her personality, she's so charming. So charming. That's what scares me, that she's so approachable. Sure, yes, yes. So, I mean, again, like... If she's ready for social media, then she's ready to have these conversations. And I think these conversations are very important to have with our kids. Absolutely. And it has to be age appropriate, right? Emma is not, my eight-year-old is not going to have social media, but she sees me on social media, but she loves it because, you know, I don't know if you saw the other day, she's giving out the recipe of the oobleck that we made, like this slime thing. Oh, no, I don't think I saw. Okay, so she, you know, I, I was just taking a video of her playing with it and she's like, oh, this is half a cup of water and half a cup of starch, but then we had to put it. You know, oh, so she's already getting. Mm -hmm. so she's already like, but you know, it, it's, it has to be age appropriate, right? So no. yes, yeah, so going to the, the black life. So like within the birth, let's stick with the doula community, you know, what do you think could be done to help this mortality rate? Like, what do you think, what, or what do you feel is your calling to, now that you do know this, right? It's like one of those things, when, once the veil is lifted up and you're like, okay, I can't turn away from this. So then I know for someone like me, I'm like, okay, so then what is my responsibility to make sure I am not participating in this? Right now, I, we have to be able to provide these services for those that can't afford it. Yes. It's a really good um, nonprofit organization. And this is where I first learned about this issue. Her name is Anna, Anna Rodney. She's in Baltimore. She has a nonprofit called Mom Cares. Mm -hmm. She's a black woman. She had a premature baby. Her baby was in the NICU for a very long time. And there was issues going on, you know, like she just didn't have resources or, or the medical professional believing her or, and she had medical issues with her cesarean. So that started for her this 
passion to make sure that other black women didn't go through this didn't go through that and she's created this wonderful business of helping a NICU moms of black moms in her community and she Oh, I can't even like tell you all the things that she's doing, but she's doing wonderful, wonderful work. That's one of the things like, right? Donating to a cause like her. Providing yeah, that's a good point. Finding yeah. areas within maybe locally that of moms that are in need of help and not just donating clothes or baby things, but this is like Nikki, like these, yeah. yeah. Right. So she, now she has a team. She started with nothing. It was just her, you know, she didn't even have a car. Now she has an she has a car people are people are giving her money like grants not a lot but yeah which is, people still need to continue to to give if they can support, sure yeah and then she's able to provide doula support like her team she has a team of doulas that are providing support for black mothers that have babies in the NICU or even just you know for providing doula support for black women that can't afford it that low income mm -hmm. that's just an example of some of the things that we can do right i want to provide childbirth classes to low-income families here in my community the latino community there are a lot of immigrants here a lot a lot of immigrants a lot of people from el salvador a lot of people from bolivia peru but they can't afford any of these services they can't afford me as a doula mm -hmm. you know they can't afford a 300 childbirth class yeah so being able to provide the low-income families sure that don't have access to this information that's awesome a lot of the immigrants are afraid to go to childbirth classes in the hospital yeah. because they're afraid they're going to get deported yeah you know what i mean yeah so those are just some of the things that we can do right that's awesome to yeah. educate educate the community yeah, to, to donate your time, your money. Uh, I think the educate education is the key. It's, it's the key. It's the key to everything. So let's pivot a little bit to five years ago, you become a doula and you're still in Miami. How do you end up in DC? Yeah, so uh, use the podcast where you're probably hearing my son. I don't know if you can hear him, but uh, a little bit. Okay, because he's I like, thought it was my kid. <laughs> no, it's mine. So sorry. It is what it is. <laughs> this is real yeah. life, but go ahead. <laughs> my husband gets offered this job here in Virginia. They're like, oh, he, he did really well in his interview. They asked for a second interview. He's like, I don't know about this job. Like, I've never really done it. I did a training on it. I got my certification, but I'm like, dude, just, you need to practice on your interviewing anyway. So like, just, just yeah, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. What happens? What do you learn from it? Like, right? Like, yeah. So he does a second interview and they're like, okay, yeah, that's, you know, how much do you want? Oh. It's like off the wall number. Like he was reaching really, really high. Yeah. And they're like, okay, sure. He's like, they're offering me the job. I'm like, take it. He's like, what? I'm like, dude, we're broke. Like we're, we're not paying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wanted to do doula work because doula work is not, it's yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. work to make money. I can tell you that. Yeah. But I'm like take it. He's like, what about our house? I'm like, we sell the house, oh, the kids, our family. I'm like, listen, our family members are not the ones trying to pay our bills. We are like, take it. And this is your dream job. Like this is what you've been wanting to do for such a long time that nobody here in this job here in South Florida is willing to give you yeah. or want you to do it without getting paid. Like do it, know your worth. So he took it. Two weeks later, he was up, he came here by himself. I stayed in Miami because I still had a few um, moms that were giving birth at, uh, that summer. And uh, he would call me, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. 
fake it till you make it, honey. Yes. You just gotta like do your power pose. Like you're, you know, you're don't sweat, don't, show them, don't let them see you sweat. Oh yeah, I got this. And then be like, oh shit. When yeah. And he was like messaging one of his friends down here, like down in Miami that was, that knew how to do that job. And he's like, yeah, you're doing, you're doing great. Like you do know what you're doing. Like keep it going, keep it going. Give me the confidence. At the end of the summer, which was our, my anniversary of me being here was September 18th, I think it was. Oh. And, um, and get of the summer after my mom gave gave birth and you know i sold our house and packed up everything in a pod and drove to virginia with my two kids and and a dog wow <laughs> how was i was on the road trip nice and how has it been what's the difference between virginia and new york um, and florida just quickly like what what you what's do you love it i think you love it because i mean the videos i show is like you love the nature and you seem happy with it I love it here. I definitely found a community here of women, of, of birth workers that I was really looking for in South Florida and I couldn't find. So I, it's, it's the connections I've made here. And also, yeah, it's different here in Virgin, Northern Virginia um, than Miami. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a lot more things to do. You know, we're definitely more in touch with nature, with outside, with the seasons and I've really learned how the seasons affect us mentally and physically, uh, emotionally. I've learned so much from the friendships I've made here, from the connections I've made here. Uh, again, it was something I was looking for in Miami and it just, it was just wasn't happening. My, again, Miami's so different. Yeah, no, yeah. But it's been great. I love it here. My husband has excelled here. Like he, he got a different job after working that one place for two years and it's been great, you know. That's awesome. No, that's good that you said he found kind of his calling. And look, you had found your calling here, but you found the community you were looking for there. So that's awesome. With that, after six months after moving here, I oh, get boy. pregnant. I was just gonna say, was that were you guys? Was he planned? Was it planned? No, girl, I was done. I was about to turn thirty-five when I found out I was pregnant. I'm like, yeah. what is this? And it was one of those things like. I knew what we lost, yeah, what we lost when we had Emma, which what I mean by that is the intimacy with my husband, right? We co-slept, we breastfed, you know? Yeah. So we kind of like disconnect a little bit from your you partner, right? Just to accommodate your, not just to accommodate, but- No, but to provide that's, no, that's, a whole, that's what I'm telling you, I've been dying to get a therapist on here because I'm like, why don't people talk about this more? How you disconnect from your partner. Girl. For me, it was a while. I feel like we're just now connecting and my son is about three. Yes. Same. Right. Exactly. So when we moved here, Emma had just turned four. So we had just started like getting in moving. those last few months before moving here, like to really get in your group. Right? Yeah, get, <laughs> have a little bit of more sex, you know, like everything, you know, just, yes. just more alone time, uh, anything. But if I knew what was coming, getting pregnant, I was like, here we go again, the breastfeeding, the close sleeping, the you know, my body's going to change. How is it going to change now that I'm older, right? And I'm not working out or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Is it going to affect my marriage in a negative way? Or how is it going to affect us in that disconnect that I know it's coming? I was not happy when I found out I was pregnant. And let me tell you how important it is for someone to hold space when someone is feeling that way. Nobody cared. Nobody cared that I was sad or upset that I was pregnant. Everyone was like, congratulations let's hope it's a boy we're so happy for you can't wait blah blah, blah. you're gonna have a v-back and i'm here 
crying, yeah. upset, sad, disappointed. Like, yeah. what about, you know, I was built, I was networking with other doulas here. Like, what about <laughs> you, my- You were just starting to get your thing back up. <sighs> yeah, so like, I was not happy and nobody was there to hold space for me. Yeah. No one. You shared those thoughts with your husband. Were you guys able to talk about that? Yes. I know, only, yeah, I know. <laughs> No, and in such a loving way, right? It's not like he's a jerk. Or, no, no he was like, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I'm, <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I think you're beautiful. Like, it doesn't matter how your body changes. I know. Don't worry. Like, it's gonna, you know, we're gonna be okay. Like, yeah. oh, you know, he reassured me, but it wasn't like, it sucks. No, I know. I know, I know it sucks. And I know he can't. How can he know? He's not a, he can't relate to that. No. Then... I had I was suffering from hypermesis garbidium, which is extreme morning sickness. Mm. I was so miserable the first half of my pregnancy, so miserable. So not only was I upset about this pregnancy, I was so sick, constantly throwing up, going to the hospital a few times just to get an IV and medic anti nausea medication, anti vomiting medication, um, because I couldn't hold anything down. I'd lost more than ten, wow. I think like twelve pounds, thirteen pounds. And, and again, totally different than your first two. Completely different. So anyways, when I did find out I was pregnant, I'm like, yes, we're having a VBAC. And we're having a home birth. I am not birthing at a hospital. Mm -hmm. And my husband's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, you know, we found midwife, these partnered midwives. They were incredible, which I want to name them, Britt, Avril, and Ryan Morales. But I still, because I'm a veteran, I was, the VA were, was able to provide prenatal care for me and pay for it. So I did have to find like a local OBGYN office, which I was fine with, just so that they can do like my labs and all that stuff. And I didn't have to pay for it out of pocket because my, sure. I did pay. So one-on-one -on -one care. That's awesome. Yeah. So I did pay for my midwives out of pocket, but I was able to get this service that awesome. for free because of, I'm a veteran. And it's funny because there were CNM certified nurse midwives in that practice, which told me again, oh, you know, you had two C-sections, then, you know, we're going to go ahead and schedule you for a C-section. Really? So that's why I said, like, make sure if anybody's looking for a midwife, there's a difference between a CPM and a CNM. And regardless of what kind of training they had, make sure you really talk about the philosophy and what. And what if they're going to support what you're, be honest with what you're looking for. Don't assume. Don't assume. So two midwives there told me the same thing. Oh, you're going to have to have a C-section. One of them was actually pregnant. And later on, I found out that she ended up having a home birth. I'm like, but you failed to tell me that I could have a VBAC. And I did hire a doula. Like, I think the day I found out I was pregnant, I called my friend, Brenda. I was like, you're ready to be my, my doula. <laughs> Which, by the way, I was her doula after two, a year later. Oh, that's beautiful. That's awesome. So yeah, so I, I had a midwifery team. I had a birth assistant at my, yeah, two midwives, a birth assistant and a doula and a chiropractor friend that offered to adjust me and baby, me during labor and baby after baby was born. So talk about that. Cause I, I've had missed, I've had missed thoughts of me. I haven't done enough research, so I can't really offer an opinion, but I'm like, is it really necessary? And we'll go in there after we'll go in there after. Cause talk to me about that a little bit of what that experience was like. Yeah. A short, a short version of my birth story. That morning, I took a picture of my belly, which was 39 and four days, I think, 39 and three days, which I knew I had been the longest I had been pregnant. Because with my girls, the first one, she was 
39, at exactly 39 weeks. And with Emma, they scheduled my C-section at 39 in two days. Oh. At 39 in three days, I took this picture of me in the bathroom of my belly. I'm like, this is the longest I've been pregnant. I can't believe it. And then that night I went into labor. Wow. <laughs> so I go into labor in the evening, message my midwife, like, hey, are these, like, is this labor happening? Like, what's is going it? on? it? <laughs> They go, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know, girl. I've never done this before. Yeah. Well, just take a bath. Well, that's right, because you've had it scheduled. Oh my God, hello. I just heard experienced. I've never experienced contractions and labor. None of it. It was just show up, cut open. Oh God, yes. Go home, figure it out. I mean, I I did. We took a bath. My husband and I got in the bath with some Epsom salt and I did feel like more relaxed. I mean, it was evening time, 11 p.m., 12 p.m. But the contractions just kind of kept coming every 10, 15 minutes or every night. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. My mom was there. So she was like, what's, ha- what's happening? What's happening? I'm like, I think it's happening. So then, the, you know, just, just kind of roll with them, right? Eat one contraction at a time and try again since I had never experienced that before I was just trying to find like whatever was comfortable to get you know if I had to sway if I had to like squat if I had to just figuring it out called my birth team around 4 30 in the morning everybody showed up around 5 5 30 in the morning and they were there the whole time let me tell you my labor was long wow the girls woke up in the morning like at eight o'clock in the morning they had breakfast we danced i was walking around naked my mucus plug came out because my daughter my oldest daughter was like what's that coming out of your vagina you know because you can't see your vagina yeah of course (laughs) touch and it's like like i was so happy i was like it's my mucus plug this is great somebody take a picture that means i'm dilating like things are happening you know like mind you i know i'm a doula right like but that you don't you don't, yeah. you don't do that. You can't do that yourself. Yeah. My midwives, I'm like, right, that's what that means, right, right? They're like, yeah, 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 we're doing great. And labored all afternoon. I mean, I was getting so tired and I really wasn't eating. In the morning, my doula did make me the best smoothie I've ever had in my life, which did give me a little boost to keep going. But by the afternoon and late afternoon, like I was being depleted. I hadn't slept in two days. We had, I hadn't really eaten anything. Um, did you have how was you how was your mental state at that point my mental state really interesting i think i was so calm i trusted my team that's awesome i was in my house i was in my tub in my shower my kids were there you know my oldest daughter would come and hold my hand or put a, a washcloth on my forehead you know, she would rub my back. My little one, Emma, she was five and a half at the time. She would come and hug me and rub my belly. I would sit on the toilet and moan during, you know, these surges. And she would just like rub the belly or rub my leg. I'm sure that must have been so empowering for your girls to see. That must have been amazing for them to see that. And actually, I want you to go into that because then my next question after all of this is going to be to you. How was that? Do you think that you had a shift in your relationship, especially with your oldest? Did it make you, it had to make you closer? I guess it happened naturally. Like it's not something that I was really sure. I learned later on that there was a point where my husband broke down. Like he was like, how much longer? Like it wasn't, Yeah. he was struggling with watching me like moan and complain. Right. And I was cursing. (laughs) And I was like, come on, baby, like, baby, come out, come out. And I would tell her, are you ready to catch your baby? And 
but he did have like this moment where he had to like step away and i had no idea this is how important it is to have a really good support team with you like i had no idea he had left for 30 minutes to go like take a breather and he had like a little bit of a cry and yeah. to take a few breaths and like really get himself together to be able to come back and support me so yeah so then the evening came around and, and how many hours is this now almost 24 hours one of my midwives was like listen we got you a coke we need you to drink this coke i'm like what like you're tired you need the caffeine you're you know we need you to stay hydrated like we need you need to get like this little boost and I think Coke is going to do it for you for, for a little bit. I'm like, but I'm drinking coconut water. Why do I have to drink Coke? Like, that was one of the worst things that happened through my labor, like having to drink Coke. I know. I know. Yeah. Especially if you don't drink it for a while and go back to it's not yet. I'm not a Coke drinker. So I was like, they're like, I, we would, <clears throat> I would hate to have to transfer you for exhaustion because you would not drink this Coke. Like I am not transferring. I'm drinking this Coke. Yeah. They gave it to my doula because they knew I wasn't going to give a shit. So yeah. they gave it to my doula. My doula was like just putting the straw in my mouth. And, and just suck it up and do it. Yeah. So drank some Coke. A couple of hours went by and they were like, get in the shower, you know, take a hot shower. Get in the shower. And I felt when the hot water was hitting me, like this boom of like heaviness in my body. And I felt like I just needed to drop to the floor. So I had to hold on to like the top of the shower and I was like, oh, my body's pushing. And I could hear them out in the bedroom. Oh, that's great, Ivani. I was like, shut up. <laughs> and I felt it like I felt this, like it was so heavy, so heavy in my belly, so heavy in my vagina and my uterus. Like it just, and I was like, I do not want to have this baby in the shower because I don't want the water running down my face. <laughs> so all I was able to do is kind of like, step out of the shower and just get on the floor on my knees. Really? Got on my that knees. Fast. That fast. I wanted to have a water birth. My tub was there, but there was no way that I was going to be able to, you know, lift my yeah, leg yeah, yeah, yeah. up just to get in the tub and get comfortable to push this baby out. Like this baby was there. So I'm like on, on my knees, kind of like Captain Morgan saw with one leg up and they're yeah. like, okay, Vanya, like your baby's coming. And I'm here like roaring and, like really like pushing and it was just nobody guided me nobody's like oh push push stop stop there was no guided pushing it, yeah it's more you like the, for the listeners out there when you have a natural birth like that it's really you're, you listen to your body yeah. you push when you feel like you need to push so the fetal ejection reflex is real it's real so it's pretty much your body and your contractions helping baby like like push your baby out yeah. Like that's all you really need you don't you know you your body instinctively it's, auto, it's naturally doing what it's supposed like, to do just like your body instinctively wants to push a poop out like your body instinctively pushes this baby out so i'm here like roaring this baby out they're like oh the baby's head my five-year-old is on the floor looking up at my vagina like there's pictures and i'll send them to you mm -hmm. of her like with this excitement on her face she was so excited so they told her she can touch his head while he was oh crowning. So she touched his head. Then my husband touched his head. Then my oldest touched his head. I had no idea. They told me all this afterwards. I was like, just, this baby needs to come out. <laughs> and sure enough, like he came out and I couldn't believe it. So you had your V-bag? You had a natural birth? That's awesome. I had my V-bag and I was like, did this just really happen? So many people said I couldn't. 
so many medical professionals that I couldn't, family members that disagreed with my choice to be back, people that, you know, put their fears on, on us. And when I say us, like, you know, me and my family, because they, you know, my husband would hear it too. And it took me a few days to really process that I had really vaginally birthed my baby. Like it, I, it just seemed so surreal that that really happened. Yeah. It kind of like felt like an outer body experience and be like, no, no, girl, that, that was you. Like you, you had you, yes, yes. You warrior through over 24 hours and you pushed this baby out after people said you couldn't. That's amazing. Yeah, but it took days. Someone asked me, do you feel empowered? I'm like, no. But when I talk about it, right? Like when in retrospect, when I read my birth story, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is empowering. It really is. Yeah, it is. So do you think it's made your girls, like what did they say? You know, what was that experience like for them? Do they want to be birthed? You know, like what, what, is, what was that like? <laughs> Emma was the one that caught Emilio. So she had a blanket like right there by my butt. So when he came, like he slid out, like she was there. She had the help of the midwives, but she was the one that caught him. And then with the help of the midwives, put him like through between my legs so that my husband can grab him. And then he grabbed the baby and put him on, on me. But Emma says that because she was the first person to catch him, like that they have this really special bond. And they do? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if it's a sibling bond. Is, does it really have to do with the home birth? The well, connection? Maybe they do. I mean, spiritually, because you know she was there. Who knows? She put it out in the universe. So to her, she's like, yeah, that's my yeah. little brother. So even if even if it isn't, and it's a placebo effect of we do, we do. She believes it, so they, you know, we do absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, my oldest, she's still in awe. She's like. You pushed him. I watched you like push him out. She was 13 at the time. And she was like, wow, that's that weird and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure, I mean, she's young, but as she even develops and gets older and understands of her journey of life of being how the beauty of that, that she just saw life being brought into the world, you know, at home. That's awesome. She was able to witness and experience this at a young age. I'm sure that she's something she's never going to forget. And however that's going to affect her in life, I hope it's in a positive way. My intention of having a family-centered birth with my son and involving my husband and my children was to be empowering for them, for them to witness not what a lot of people get to experience in a hospital setting, you know, like whatever I experience in the hospital setting. Um, my intention is to let them see something different. And they did. So however that affects them in the future, I hope it's in a positive way. I'm yeah. sure it is. I know for me, I always thought I was going to have an unmedicated birth because my, my mom told me stories. I wasn't there, but I know she said with me, she had an easy birth and she didn't take an epidural and same thing with my sister. So it was already ingrained in me that it was possible. Right. So I think it does. Like you said, you, you let them be exposed to something that they wouldn't necessarily be exposed to. We don't know if we're going to have any more kids. I think we're still kind of like, eh. Because again, I had Jace older, so I'm 37 now. If we get pregnant, you know, I'll be, I'll be pushing 40. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. And whatever God, you know, it, whatever is meant to be. But I will definitely try my best to make sure it's another home birth with my son there and, and be more inclusive of family. Because I think that's just, it's beautiful. Everyone, that's just, how could you not, you know? I remember hearing the birth assistant, um, Bridget, which she was phenomenal too. Such, she had the most soothing voice. I don't know what, there was a time where I don't know what exactly she was saying. I could just hear her voice and it was very calming. 
But I do remember hearing her say like, hey, look at your mom, you know, she's, she's working so hard to bring your baby brother. She, you know, your mom is, is doing such a good job. Your mom is doing wonderfully. Like this is, this is normal. Uh, you know, like those reassurance, like having that person reassure my kids that everything's okay. Yeah. Um, even my mom, my mom was really nervous. My mom was praying the rosary and she says that as soon as she finished that last rosary, she asked her grandmother, my gra or her mother, which is my grandmother who birthed 18 kids. I was like, Mama, please, like, let this end soon. I don't know how much longer I can take Ivania, you know, in pain, right? To her, it was like, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. And she said that as soon as she finished saying that, she heard me yelling from the bathroom, my body's pushing. I believe it. I did that with my sister. My sister was 32 hours, and Galena's her midwife, but again, she was empowered. She was at my birth. She was the only family member because Selena had said, try and make it as intimate as possible. And long story short, she was reaching her and then So it was like every 20 minutes, and she stayed at like five to maybe seven. It was like, it just wouldn't go. I mean, they sent her home, and it was just me, her fiance, and her, and we would take turns, and she would just like, Policy, get back up and mo I mean it was it was hard and I'll never forget she was like I don't know what to do he no he came to me he was like I don't know what to do we go to the hospital like she this baby we're, we're reaching like 30 hours so I went to her and at this point too I didn't make it that far my son I think it was like a nine hour birth so <laughs> I never made it I know I know Galena and Galena and Martha tell me they're like you were like I don't even know but it was very intense it came very fast so there was a lot coming at once that I had even forgot what I mean it came so fast so yeah, so I never reached this point. So I remember being like, the hell? And I didn't want to persuade her either way. So I went to her and I was like, mama, whatever you want to do, we could do. You tell me what. And she's like, no, I think a little more. I went into that room and I was like, God, if it is meant for this girl to go to the hospital, give me a sign. Because I don't, I, I didn't want to change her birth plan. You know, I was like, she's at 30 hours. I didn't, you know, what is what? I said, and if it's not, and she's meant to have this baby in the hospital, then you need to, like, we need to do something. But either way, show me, give me the strength to give her, you know, like something's got to give. I go lay down. I don't know how much time, but it wasn't long. And I hear her breathing change. And I just looked up and I was like, thank you. I ran in and her fiance was like, yeah, she's whatever. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I called Galena. Galena heard her. Galena's like, let's go. And she had the baby, I think like within an hour and hour. Thank you. So I believe in the power of prayer and all of that. So that's beautiful that you said that, you know, that your mom is like, as soon as she's done, because it was the same. I was like, God, we, we got to figure something out here. <laughs> so how has it been being a boy mom? So at first it didn't feel like any different. You know, it's a baby. You love your children just unconditionally and the nursing and whatever, right? Co-sleeping. We did, you know, all the things that we did with our other kids. But now that he's a toddler, <laughs> that's where I see the difference, the changes in like personality, like, and his likes. And like, I guess the difference is mostly like his energy. His energy is really more intense, yeah. definitely more intense, which I'm trying really, I'm trying to embrace. Right. And I don't know if it's because I'm just a bit of an older mom now that I'm just like a little fed up or that it's like just, yeah. Or it's just, and not really my patience. Like, he wants to like continuously like run around and like hold on like at the top of the stairs. He wants to like hang off the rails. And I'm like, dude, like I, we had to take him to urgent care and get a splint for his ankle because he sprained his ankle. And how do you keep a two-year-old on a splint? Well, he did because it hurt him. He's like, yeah, I'm not getting up. <laughs> 
And let me tell you, taking your kids to urgent care during COVID is extremely stressful. And this was a testing site where we took him. It was, I mean, that's, again, that's another conversation that we can have about parenting during COVID. COVID, yeah. And our children and how it affects every day, everything in your life. But um, yeah, his energy is just really high. And And I don't know if it's, again, the difference between a boy and a girl, me, you know, having my first daughter at 23 versus now I'm 39 yeah. with a toddler, but there definitely is a difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, I know they're saying, you know, gender is a society's construct, but I love having a son. Yeah. So now, with that, my son loves Frozen. Oh, <laughs> so um, my son loved Frozen, Moana, all of that. Yes. He wants to wear skirts. He loves wearing skirts, and we don't tell a lot of people that because we are afraid of what they're going to say. Yeah. We let his hair grow. He has really long hair. We've never cut his hair. So, and he has beautiful long black hair, and we have now started hearing the comments, well, you never cut his hair, so he thinks he's a girl. That's why he likes Elsa, and that's why he likes wearing skirts. So... Yeah, there is a difference between raising girls and raising a boy because I, in my mind, and don't get me wrong, I do struggle because I am from that generation where I was taught, you know, girls are girly and boys are manly or whatever it is that that really means. Sure, sure. But having a child that has a penis that is expected to only like cars and trucks and Paw Patrol or whatever, he loves, like I'm telling you, he loves frozen yeah he likes a whole bunch of other things he likes horses he likes towels whatever but his, he's really obsessed with frozen and wearing skirt he loves wearing skirts and i allow him to because what how does that how was your how is your husband how is he because he is the man that's a really good question um i'm glad that you asked that because him and i have this conversation a lot he does feel a certain way he's like i i do like i'm not gonna lie yeah it's tough I, feel a little weird that my son likes to wear skirts yeah it's a little offsetting for me but he's like i have to remind myself right we have to make that conscious effort of really taking a step back and just i mean we want our kids to be happy right like do i want my son to learn to not wear a skirt when papi's around so am i going to be teaching him that he can't be himself when papi's around you know, what's, what's the big picture here? Correct. So, I mean, don't they say there's young, I remember my cousin, like he loved wearing his mom's high heel shoes and all he wore was the high heel shoes all around the house. Like, and it's funny because I was sure I struggle with that too, in the sense of, 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 cause I try not to force like the boy stuff on him, but he just, I mean, my dad's been giving him tools since he was a baby cause my father's a handyman. So it's kind of been that he's into that. He loves building things. Right. But then I remember he saw Moana and was like, and I'm like, oh my God, like he loves Moana, like should he? And then I was like, and he's singing Moana songs. And then he went to school and then he's like, oh, that's Frozen, Elsa. And I'm like, you know, and for a minute I was like, wait, is that going to, does that change anything? Like, the, so we do because it's ingrained in us. We come from that old school mentality. And I'm like, what would I do if he wanted? And I asked those questions and I'm like, but ultimately it's makes him happy we're the ones who are putting the classification and saying it has to be this way and that way when it's really our children so that's that's tough and I'm, I'm so honored that you shared that here because I'm sure 
people have a lot of opinions. <laughs> they do. And again, it's, you know, the generation before us, right? Like our parents, especially like our grandparents. Um, I think the new generation, like my, my 16 year old daughter, she's like, I don't see the problem with him wearing a skirt. Like, that's so great. Right. He's being himself. And she, and I, I even talked to her, like, I want you to know that I do have, I do struggle a little bit, right? Like my mental struggle is there. I don't express it, yeah. but it is there. I do think about it and how I'm going to handle certain situations or how am I going to prepare myself to have these conversations when family comes around and they start making these comments. But yes, we do need to talk about it. Boys like to wear skirts. Yeah. I mean, come on now. My daughter is a fan of Harry Styles. This guy is wearing pearl earrings and pearl necklaces with, you know, his nails painted and no, and nobody cares about that. The guy, so he has two sisters. My father always said, my father grew up with six sisters. My father loves to go on Chinche and for the out, thing, out, out podcast world, that's gossiping. My mom tells him all the time, you should have been born a woman because my father loves to gossip. My father loves to do more, but he's like, I grew up with six sisters. Yeah. He has two sisters. So we don't know what he's going to want or whatever. It's, it's what, so it's so difficult to say what it means or what it doesn't mean other than he just at this moment <laughs> wants to feel good in that, you know? Yeah. So with that said, I am proud to share that my son likes to wear skirts and he loves Frozen. And if your son likes to wear skirts and likes frilly things, like it's okay, let's share it. Because again, society has labeled, right? And has made it a point to make them feel bad about that. Like, them, you know, we are all promoting right now, like being authentic, being true to yourself, like live to your truest potential. And right now for him, that's you know, amongst other things, and I'm not saying that's all he does, but amongst other things, like he loves wearing skirts. He just said he loves climbing and he has the energy and he loves running. Yeah, but it is there. And then I, for those that feel torn about that idea, and I personally don't want to shame my son for him being his true self. And right now at two and a half, that's what makes him happy. And I'm all for it. We sing, let it go and into the unknown every day. Yeah, that's fine. And I, I love that. I love that you shared that because I think it is so important because that isn't shared enough. And unfortunately the celebrities that have ha that have shared it though, they get backlash, right? Because everyone again has an opinion. People aren't kind like yeah. Just let people be. I think you share. I think you said this in the beginning, like of moms just being who like themselves and just doing what's right for you, what you feel is right for you, what you feel is right for your family. That's really all that matters. But we do live in a day and age, unfortunately, with social media and everything. And if you're on it, and everyone has an opinion, and so you do have to think about it because if someone says something, you have to be prepared to defend your son and defend this and defend your yourself of why you know. Oh, that's so tough. That is tough. But kudos to you, girl. And I say you let him be who he needs to be and wants to be. He is only two and a half years old. <laughs> you know, like let him live his life. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you have a beautiful family. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think so too, but again, I'm biased. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so talk a little bit about your homeschooling because I want to talk a little bit about that before we get into like a quick get to know thing because I know we've, co we've covered so much. Yeah. But I want to know about your homeschooling because I love your approach. So your 16-year-old is doing, she's in school school? Yes. Okay. And your eight and your, your little one, your two and a half year old, how's that like? I love your approach. To me, it's like so like nature and organic and Montessori-ish. There's a lot going on. So talk a little bit about that. What are your favorite activities? 
So I'm very knowledgeable on Montessori. So my, my, young, my oldest was in a Montessori school in Miami for three years. Oh. And then she started going to a charter school. When we moved here, the school that our neighborhood school was not a very good school. And my daughter is very bright. So somebody was like, why don't you just homeschool? So I did. I homeschooled her for seventh grade. But because it was so new to me and I was really overwhelmed with all the information, we decided to do like distance learning, like an online schooling. Mm-hmm. I used K-12. And we did a couple of, su- a few subjects with K-12. And then I, sub- I supplemented myself with the other subjects. Mm-hmm. And that kind of worked out pretty well. And I, I was okay with doing that because I knew we were going to go to Germany for a month. And homeschooling her gave us that flexibility. Sure. That was great. But after she finished seventh grade, she was like, Mom, I want to go to school. Like, I miss it. And the right. thing is, she knew. Yeah. And we were so new here. Like, we were new here. I had gotten pregnant like six months after. Like, I was really sick. There wasn't really much we were, we were doing. It was a lot of fun for her. We had a hard time connecting with other homeschooling families and kids her age. So she wanted to go back to school, which is fine. I was like, you can go. This school is crappy, but you're going to be okay. And she really enjoyed it. She enjoys and thrives in, you know, traditional things. She's all for it. With Emma, when we moved here, I put her in a Montessori school, which was great. And then for first grade, she started like a charter school, what we call charter schools, probably like traditional schools. Mm -hmm. Her teacher was not the best. I've learned that Emma's way of thinking is a little different than a lot of other kids. So she needs more direct, like, information or guidance. So I can't just tell her, go brush your teeth. I have to tell her, Emma, get up, go to the bathroom and brush your teeth. Don't forget to rinse, dry your face, and then go, you know, then go back to your You can't tell brush, just brush your teeth. You have to give her the full scope of everything. Because then, you know, she kind of, like, gets a little spaced out or she forgets or you didn't tell me and this is all normal like there are other kids like that it's not like adhd or it's that's definitely more you know you need to go to uh, a provider to be able to diagnose this is just you know she's just a little different you know we have to give her more detailed guidance Um, and her teacher was not doing that for her and this is when i feel like kids get left behind you know, she, she, of course, she's going to, the teacher is going to give more attention to those that are getting the information, right? And then she she'll- She don't have the patience. She don't have the time. She don't have, yeah. Yeah. So it just wasn't. And then not only that, our morning routine was getting really intense. Like it was fighting, like get out of bed, Her, you know, right? Like go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth. Why aren't you brushing your teeth? Little did I know I had to give her more guidance and I've had to learn that. I've had to learn to be a completely different mom for Emma. Yeah, our morning routine was really intense. And it was like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You're wasting time. Like, come on, we have to leave. We're going to be late. The school is really strict about being on time. Like, you get dinged if you have so many uh, tardies. And then they can kick you out of the school. I don't know. It was just, we were going on vacation. My brother-in-law had to, was um, deploying. So we went to Miami for a week. And... She missed those days of school and those were counted against her. You can't miss more than 10 days. Like then we were flagged and then I had to appeal for her to stay for the following year. And it was really stressful, really, really stressful. So, you know, all these things, 
Yeah, so our, again, going back to our morning routine, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. I just don't No, 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 yeah, yeah. The morning routine, like it was like constantly yelling and then we get in the car and then when she, and she's getting out of the car from Carline, I'm like, okay, honey, baby, I love you so much, have fun. It just seemed like such a, it just didn't make sense to me. I'm yelling at her every morning to hurry up. Why are you not, you know, move, kiss her goodbye and send her off to school. It's not the way I wanted to mother, not the experience I want for her. Was she really having fun going to school? Or was she struggling or she was having, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, like starting off her day with her mom yelling at her every single, and I've tried all the things, right, right? Um, I made like a chart. You made a thing. Yeah, in her room, or the things that she needs to do when she's in her room, the things that she needs to do in the bathroom, the things when she goes downstairs and put on her shoes and eat breakfast. And you know, I I tried, I did what I could to help her, and it just wasn't working out. So I met a lot of friends here that homeschool, and I kept telling like my husband, like, what if I homeschooled her? Like, what if the you know this is not the kind of experience I want for her, or even learning. What is she missing out on? from going to traditional school. That she needs from a non-traditional school. Right, so he said yes. <laughs> you know, I need him on board. We need to be on Of course. Yes. Once he, he you know, I, I gave him all the information. This is the curriculum I would like to use and this is what we would be doing. I'm gonna need your help with this and we need a budget. We're big on budgets. He's like, yeah, go for it. So I was gonna wait till the end of second grade, but it was just getting so intense yeah like i'm just gonna take her out in december like once she does like her last day before the holidays like that's it she's not gonna go back so i did last december was her last day of school and then we started so i've been reading and learning following blogs there's facebook pages and there's uh it northern virginia is really big on the waldorf philosophy which is more nature-based um and i think a little bit more nature-based than montessori but there's also like a process of de-schooling that has to happen when you when you take your child out of a traditional school to homeschool. So de-schooling means like really letting go of what you think learning is, like how you learn. How you learn is not just sitting at a table at a desk to, and write and you do worksheets. Learning is every single day. Yeah. Every, every day life is learning. You know, we are still learning. We're in our late thirties and we are still learning about life. But so are our kids. And yeah. I kept learning from us. So every it, moment from the minute they wake up to everything is absolutely. Everything is learning. I mean, just play, playing mm -hmm. with their friends is learning. And playing it, they're not just, oh, it's playtime, it's free time. They are constantly, constantly learning. Sure. I'm still learning on how to do this. Yeah. And, and how has she been thriving? Has it been a change? Have you seen how has she been like, has it been like a like you're like, I knew we had to do this. <laughs> So we de-schooled. So de-schooling, the general rule of de-schooling is for every year your child was in school, you take a month off. You just do nothing. Oh, wow. Nothing. nothing. Just live your everyday life. Nothing. So I kind of did that January, February de-schooling. And then we were going to start in March and then COVID hit. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, we did some of the book that I bought the curriculum. We started reading a few of the stories yeah. and painting and whatever, but COVID. And in the middle of all that, we were also looking for a house. I saw you moved. <laughs> yeah. I decided to just use that as part of our learning experience, you know? COVID, what are we learning from COVID? That we need to keep up with the news. 
Yeah. Wash our hands, how we get sick, how our bodies work, right? Like all those things you can incorporate into. So as opposed to you just waiting on a, on a schedule for you guys to have certain things, you're like, no, I'm going to take this time and really, truly make it, you know, because I could talk to my son, Jason. I'm like, oh, I'm teaching him. But no, you're like, look, this is it. And we're going we're gonna to go through and our whole day is going to be basically living and learning as you're going yeah. on through the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then buying a house, like looking for a house, which house is going to be good for us? Which one, you know, yeah. every house that we looked at, which one would be your room? What would you like to put in it? Like, you know, build that creativity in her. Mm. So that, that's pretty much what we did all those months until and we you're like, and then COVID hit. That's like what I hear in every conversation I talk with people. They're like, yeah, that, and then COVID hit. So, I mean, once we're here and we've settled down, the schedule has been really off. My husband's schedule has been crazy. You know, my oldest hasn't been in school either. So we've just been taking it easy and it's okay. Yeah. Right? It is okay. Emma's eight years old. She doesn't know her timetables. That's fine. She'll learn her timetables when, whenever, whenever she's ready, whenever she wants. If she doesn't want to learn her timetables until she's 12, then that's okay too. Yeah. I don't want to push something that where she's not going to enjoy learning it. And if you don't enjoy it, I do believe if you don't enjoy it, you won't retain it. Right. So what happened the other day? Anthony was going to mow the lawn and the pine cones are all over the floor, the ground. So Anthony was like, hey, for every pine cone you pick up for me, I'm going to give you 25 cents. So then we, we, she picked up pine cones and then we started doing the math, you know? Yeah. It's not something we're doing like, okay, let's do one hour. structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really learning through everyday life. And whenever she's ready to do something like that again, we're, we're going to do it. Yeah. But it's pretty much doing child-led learning, which, I, again, I'm still learning how to do all these things. Yeah. And how to incorporate these learnings in, with my children. And are you still, while you're doing this, are you still going to have doula clients? Are you still going to have clients? How does, that, how does that? Yeah, so being a doula with children is, is a little difficult. I think the hardest thing for doulas that have children is finding childcare for when you have to go to birth. Yeah, I know that's Martha's biggest thing every time when I speak with her is trying to find someone to watch, feel it. So luckily we moved to an, uh, an area where my husband's only 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So if I really need to like leave and it's not like a weekend or evening, then he'll be able to come, come home and stay with the kids. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That he has that flexibility too. Yes. And I don't take a lot of time because I'm homeschooling. And because I'm a stay-at-home mom right now, like the, uh, I'm, I wouldn't take more than, than what you guys can handle. Yeah, yeah. one or two clients a month. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So yeah. far, that's our homeschooling experience, and really, no, but it sounds fantastic. I love, I love the child-led learning through play. Yeah, uh, my husband's kind of done that. Probably out of the two of us that I, I've learned to admire, because every time they're playing a game. Like he's always like me, I kind of just watch him and I'll talk to him. But my husband is really the one that kind of engages and he's like, well, how many are there? Like he'll remember to be like, how many can you count? How many, how many do you see? And they'll count it. So I picked up on that to try as well, because that is a time when they're going to learn more because they're playing. Yeah. And we do the same with Emilio, you know, like, Hey, what color is this? What color is your shirt? What color is your toy? What shape is this? And and that's how they yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Okay, Ivania, so we can go into COVID, but I feel like we'll go through a whole nother thing. I know. Um, 
you know, I guess I will say, and that'll be one of, because this is not my favorite part. We always get to do a quick get to know. So I guess one of my questions to you will be, what are you looking forward to post-COVID? So because I'm homeschooling Emma, I feel like it gives us a lot of flexibility. I am ready to travel with my kids. Mm. I'm ready to travel. Like I want to take them, you know, I want to be able to go back home and to Miami, right? And like hang out for a month like I do in the summers and not just in the summers, right? I'm not restricted uh, now with Emma. My oldest, like she's older and she can stay home with, with dad, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wanna be able to travel with my with Emma and the, and the little one. Right now my sister's in Pakistan and she's gonna get married and I can't be there. You know, we just weren't sure with COVID. Sure. You know, having my, my two-year-old like to have to wear a mask for a 24-hour flight or even at the airport. So we're really nervous about that. And I'm, because of that, I'm missing, you know, my sister's yeah. wedding in Pakistan, but I want to be able to take them to Pakistan. Um, Without a worry. Yeah. yeah, I have a cousin in Germany. I want to go, uh, which we went a few years ago, uh, but we went in the winter. I want to be able to go in the summer when it's warm. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go to Nicaragua. I want to take them to Nicaragua, to Panama, where my husband's from, and really build relationships with those family members that we have there that we don't really get to see all the time or talk with all the time Um, or for my kids to play with the other kids you know my cousin's kids like i had the opportunity to play with them my mom and my dad would send me to nicaragua for the summer and i would and i was you know i would play with my cousins and now we are all so close you know So I want to be able to provide that for my kids and I don't know, teach them whatever I can in those different, you know, places. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, I think, yeah, I think for sure. And I, I believe one day we will obviously get there, but yeah, I think the traveling aspect as well. And I think um, the best thing we can give to our children are those memories. Yeah. So, you know, or, and being exposed to different cultures, different things, getting them out of their comfort zone. Providing experiences for my yeah. children. A hundred percent. Yeah more experiences is what I'm really looking forward to after COVID. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so what is your favorite movie? Dirty Dancing. Ah! And I. (laughs) Oh God, I know that's a classic. It's a classic. I remember watching that as a little girl, my mom saying, cover my eyes when they were doing like the dirty dancing in the club. (laughs) And looking back, I'm like, really ma? But she was like, no, because it was so risque and I was young. So it wasn't even like the dancing. I, I watch that movie now and it's like, there's like a lot of like hot scenes. Yeah. And I must have been like six years old and me watching that. Again, I'm like, I understand the mind, young mind is innocent. And that's not what I was really paying attention to. What attracted me to that movie was the dancing, right? Like they were dancing and they had, they were able to perform, you know, the, the costumes and the music that the soundtrack to Dirty Dancing is, Phenomenal. Phenomenal, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, what's your favorite book or one that you want to recommend to the listeners or one that changed your life? I am currently reading uh, Wild Feminine by Tammy Lynn Kent. And I am really, really enjoying that book right now. And I started reading it because I joined this book club with, for that book. Nice. And it's really like tapping into your pelvic bowl, your mm-hmm which is the center of your femininity. Mm -hmm. And that's where your, that is the center of your creativeness and your divinity and everything else that is, is who you are. 
Um, and there's some exercises in there that you'd have to do, like use your finger and feel inside. Oh, wow. The four walls of your vagina. Where do you feel more tension? Like really like, uh, what, are, what are your intentions, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's really tapping into your pelvis, your, your, your womb, your, your vulva, your vagina. Like, so yeah, I'm really enjoying reading, reading yeah. it. I haven't gotten to the part of the exercises, which I'm really looking forward to. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. I'm really enjoying it so far. Feel free to look into it. It's um, called Wild Feminine. Wild Feminine by Tammy Lynn Kent. Nice. I have to check that out. I love anything. I, I feel like women, we don't even tap into us as women. We're afraid. It's very taboo. We don't whatever. So yeah, that's definitely. I'm, I'm on board. I'm on to like dance naked under the moon, howling at the calling at the moon with your sisterhood and you know I'm all for that Same. stuff because Same. I'll tell you this Nikki like something really powerful happens when you really take off those layers within yourself and you become vulnerable and you start learning and realizing things about yourself that you didn't know were there so it's not about la, the brujitas going out it has nothing to do with that it has to do with you really connecting with the moon because all the phase of the moon you have a different kind of connection with and the book will also explain like check out what your moon cycle is like right it's really there really is something to be said about um opening your literally opening yourself <laughs> i agree <laughs> to those kind of experiences right yeah for sure yeah to really get to know and be at one with yourself I listed here, what are some high or low mommy moments of the week if you want to share? Maybe what was a high moment or a low moment? I had a really tough childhood, right? So when my daughter, my first daughter was born, I, I mean, the moment, like after, you know, the C-section, they show baby, clean baby up, whatever, and then they wrap baby with their hat on and then they show baby to you. Or, you know, you can hold baby for a few minutes. I remember when they finally gave her to me and I swore right then and there that my children were never going to feel the way I felt growing up. With that said, I, I struggle with finding that balance with my children of giving them, they have, you know, children have rights, but I am also their parents. I am here to guide them. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's like a, a, a low moment, but we know we do struggle with parenting a lot. Like, am I doing the right thing? My husband and I today went on this, on this walk. There's a trail here close to our house. It's hard as shit, but it's something that we kind of like figured that we could do to get just us together. And Emma wanted to come along. She was crying her eyeballs out yesterday. And my struggle there was not losing my patience. In letting her know, first of all, this isn't an easy trail that a an eight-year-old child can do. This is really, really hard. And anyway, second of all, this is mommy and papi time. Yeah, it has nothing to do with you. It's us. It's and you know, but I do I dismiss her feelings like no, you don't go because I said no. So what happens to that? What we talked about before, that trust, right? So it just last night like we had to have like this i i we struggle and we i think uh, we talked about it in our walk today i'm like we did really good i think you know she 
she tried really hard to convince us to say yes she kept crying crying but you know we stuck we stuck to our guns and we let her know that it's a really that's not something that you we think as your parents that you, you'd be able to complete um, and we need our time and also we need our time this is mommy and papi time so it's not like a low it's just those are the struggles that that we go through for sure <laughs> yes often absolutely i have the same thing for some reason my son has been attached to my hip over the past week and i usually you know he's a mama's boy and some no girl it's been like whoa and i've struggled because he wouldn't take a nap time with me and i was like oh, just take a nap i mean i was trying everything i was trying to act like i didn't care if he took a nap i was trying to be for it i was like boy if you don't take this nap i'm gonna throw away all of your toys like, i was on both levels none of it was hidden and i just let it go and finally he went to sleep but it hit me and i'm like i think he just wanted to spend time with me but i had so much i needed to get done so much i needed to get done and that's the struggle those are my low moments a lot is that balance yeah. because i'm trying to do so much with this i'm trying to do so much i love my job you know um i do it fulfills me in a way you know um i can't see me doing it for long term because i'd love to eventually have my own thing with mama's no best and my own ideas with it but i do but i'm a mom and when i'm home and there's other things i need to do and he's like no but mommy i want you and that's my struggle and that's that's very difficult so you're right it's that balance of you don't want to dismiss them yeah but at the same time you're like i need this and even before i was like jace i need five minutes like i looked and was like give me five minutes and he was like no mommy i want you and i was like okay he said can you come play with me and i was like oh. and i was like okay I'll come play with you. So. I will tell you this, that work-life balance that people talk about is a lie. There is no work-life balance. Somebody's always going to have to give, like, and somebody's always going to have to give up something, whether it's our kids, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our family, whether we give up something from ourselves to be able to, you know, do yeah. something else for, you know, for those that, you know, in our family, but that work-life balance is not real. And trying to achieve that is, I think people are trying to achieve that and we're working ourselves to death and then we feel guilty for not having that. Mm -hmm. We have to really remove that wording, right? Like the- About, And just give what you can when in the yeah, moment. No, like right now I'm really gonna focus on this and somebody's gonna have to suffer from, for me to be able to do that and then vice versa, right? Like it's always gonna be like that. It always, and but yeah, I, you know, and, and like you said, you know, it's, it's those in those, those guilts, those low moments of, of being, are we making the right? That's always, that's always there. Yeah. What about a high mommy? Like what was something that made you like really, really, well, I guess that was a low and high because you guys were like, we did it. We did really well with some maybe guilt, but you're like, we, we did it. I think my high moments I'm going to say is when I take time for myself, mm. which isn't very often. I struggle with doing stuff for myself and self-care. I, I really do. So I'm not gonna lie and say every day I wake up and I do a meditation, every day I do my breathing exercises. I do it when I can, when I have the time, when my kids aren't already awake and not, you know, wanting my attention. If I'm if I just so happen to wake up an hour before them or 30 minutes before them, you know, again, that that balance is not there for me. At least it's not for me. Yeah. Um, so when I do have that little oh, bit of time, that those are my high. And also I've I feel like I need to now show my kids that I do need that time for myself because if they don't see it, 
they're not going to give it to me either. Mm-hmm. They're going to constantly demand of me. Yes. But I'm, there's a lot of moms out there like, oh, mommy's going to go get her nails done. Don't talk to her. Right? I don't do that. Like, why don't I do that? Because I feel guilty for leaving them to go get my nails done for one or two hours. I do. Because I'm like, I got, I was like, I have to get out of yeah. the house and I'll see you. But I didn't do that for a long time. I, I could not leave my son. That was an anxiety. That's a whole nother thing. I had anxiety. I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to leave him. I thought I was horrible. So we have, we have separation anxiety. It's not just the kids. We do too. Yes. But yeah, again, that's, um okay so you said what you do so what you do for self-care so basically it's whenever you're saying you get a time for yourself and what what do you do what do you try to do during those moments when you do get to yourself let's see i go on walks we moved into a really nice neighborhood so i've been walking a, a bit more often um i have been doing like breathing exercises which have really helped when i feel like some maybe like a panic not a panic attack but like more of a like a feeling of anxiety yeah I'm learning with these exercises to just breathe through them. And like, I, I, then I feel it coming back down. Yeah. So being able to just practice these breathing exercises whenever I can has right. really helped me even throughout my regular days. That's awesome. What has motherhood taught you? Motherhood has taught me to, to have a lot of grace, to give myself a lot of grace. And also motherhood has taught me that like, I have to be three different moms. Three, kind, three different kind of moms here. I have to be a mom to a 16-year-old girl. I have to be a mom for an eight-year-old girl. And I have to be a mom for a toddler. Those are all different needs that need to be met every day. So again, motherhood is not the same for everyone. Motherhood is not the same for you as it is for me or for any, anyone. It's yeah. never gonna look the same. Never gonna look the same. That's why I feel like we need to give ourselves a lot of grace. Those expectations that we want to keep meeting is not, those are not real expectations because it's all different. Our family dynamics are different. The age gaps or, or, you know, our maternal age, right? It's all so different. So yeah, I think to give you a short answer is to give myself a lot of grace. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I use that word a lot because I didn't give myself grace in the beginning. I'm learning now, almost three years in, to finally give myself grace. So that's a really important word. Okay, Ivania. So, do you want any advice you want to give on here for your children that you you know would love to instill in them? Anything to the podcast world? Any final words that you want to put out there for my children? I want them to know that they can follow their gut and their heart. That would be my advice to them. Follow your gut, follow your heart. Know that I love them very much and that as long as I live, I will be here for them no matter what. And that they can trust me, which is something I'm trying to build now, right? Like they trust. Again, we can go into another conversation like this, the teen suicide rate, right? Like the young young adult suicide rates social, that affect six, seven, eight-year-olds. Right, my, my motherhood journey is also right focusing on building this trust with my children. So whenever they're out in the real world and they need me, I am here for them. Yeah. I want them to follow their gut, follow their heart, and know that and trust that I will always be here for them no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. No matter what. And then what was your other question? Uh, the podcast world. What are your final word, words? Anything? <sighs> motherhood is hard 
it is hard. It is so hard. But we all have the same. I, I, I ran women's circles. I've done mother blessings, you know, and, and the fears that mothers have is they're all almost the same. Universal. Mm-hmm. Right? They're all, they're almost all of it is the same. Are we doing enough? Am I enough? And what I would want to say to the mothers out there is that you are enough. Our children chose us. We didn't choose our children. Our children chose us. Mm-hmm. And you are the perfect parent for your children. Oh, yes. I love that. So, again, give yourself a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. Trust your kids. Trust your kids. They know. They are trying to tell us what they need. Mm-hmm. And we here are here to listen and to guide them through it. But we are enough. No, I agree. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for coming on. Um, This is beautiful. The next time post COVID, whenever that is, please. Well, I'm sure you'll reach out to Martha. Well, but no, thank you, Ivania. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for even asking me to be on here. Like I'm inspired. You know, this is very inspiring to be able to share these kind of things. And maybe I'm thinking of maybe starting something like this also for the Latinx birth community. Yeah. so you, you having this platform is very inspiring to me. Thank you so much for even having me. Thank you for asking me. Um, sometimes it's like, people don't want to hear what I have to say. But then when I, again, when I say it out loud, like, mm-hmm. yeah, people do need to hear these things. Um, and this is what this is for. I feel like we don't have platforms for women to speak. And crazy enough, if you listen to all of my conver- conversations to- told in totality, every single woman is different, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultures different age groups and we all are saying the same thing but in our experience and our level and the things that we've come to so it's it's been beautiful and i'm just so honored that women come on to share their story so yeah, thank, thank you. you and the next time you're in miami the next time you're in florida we will we'll connect take care thank you for listening to the mamas know best we got something to say podcast if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe rate and give a review on the platform you're listening on Tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her story. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.